0: The opinions and views expressed in this program do not reflect those of KUCI, its management, or the UC Board of Regents. To find out more about this talk show or other talk shows broadcasting on KUCI, log on to our website at KUCI.org or check out the latest program guide.
1: Gas prices have been going up a lot lately, and they'll probably continue to. KUCI offers a few tips to help curb this burden. First, if you live close to your school or work, consider riding a bike. It's healthier for you and for the environment, and it can actually be a lot of fun. If that won't work for you, we recommend that you make sure your vehicle is as empty as possible. In other words, don't keep junk in your trunk. Any unnecessary weight can have a huge impact on your mileage over the long run. So considering the skyrocketing cost of gas, it's a great time to break the four-wheel habit. You'll get great exercise, increase your energy, and elevate your overall mood. Plus, it's great for the environment. And you'll never have to worry about getting stuck in traffic again and have a great parking spot. Good morning, you're listening to Get the Funk Out. I'm your host, Janine. This is KUCI 88.9 FM in Irvine. That was a little sample off of uh, Drawing Down the Moon with uh, Stacey Robin. Angel in My Dream is the name of the CD that was blue. So uh, first half of the show is uh, special guest Kathy Kurtz. She's the author of Living Through the Pain, The Lonely Me. I'm going to tell you a little bit about her, and then she's standing by. Well, let's see, unbelievable background. She's written a memoir entitled Living Through the Pain, The Lonely Me, and her memoir is a startling and painful testament of this journey she went through dealing with the trauma of losing her mother, her father, her oldest brother, and sister-in-law in in a private plane crash at the age of 16. And then she lost her remaining sibling 13 years later to AIDS. She also endured, endured molestation from her boyfriend who eventually became her husband, after they were married and he continued to sexually and emotionally abuse her until they were divorced most recently in 2010 she was a victim of workplace violence and her memoir covers her painful journey revealing the author's faith determination and the desire to help others find their path to a positive and successful life so it's my pleasure to welcome to this this week's show kathy kurtz good morning kathy good morning Thanks for calling in. You're welcome. What an unbelievable intro to your bio. You have been through hell and back, I should say. Whew.
0: Yes, I have. Unbelievable. Yes I have. Good thing though is I am here and um and ready to share with others. Mm.
1: Tell me, let's back up a second. Um, you 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 lost your family in this plane crash and we were talking before we went on the show. You actually thought you had something to do with this. Yes, I did. Why is that?
0: Well, um, I was a a very naive um, 16-year-old girl, um, had not really experienced dating, and had just basically started dating. And I had been out with this gentleman possibly twice this young man, and... um, uh, we went out to a dance, and he actually started spiking my drink and got me drunk. Oh,
1: my god! And
0: I asked him to bring me home because I got really sick. My parents were actually out of town. I was supposed to be spending the weekend with my girlfriend, mm-hmm. but I wanted to go home because I knew that I was going to get sick, and I didn't want her mom to figure out that I had been drinking, and then I was going to get in trouble with my parents. Sure. And he invited himself in to check the house. And, again, being a totally naive, inexperienced, teenage girl, um, as soon as he got in the house, um, he tried to rape me, um, and he ended up molesting me before I got him off of me, but the instant I got him out of the house, I felt this enormous guilt and shame. Right. As if it was my fault. I had done something wrong because I was the one who allowed him to spike my drink. I'm the one who allowed him to come in to my home to check it to make sure that it was safe. And I should have known better. And being raised the way I was back in the 70s... um even though I was a Christian, we focused more on the Old Testament, which is where God is more of a punishing God. Mm-hmm. So in my mind, I knew that God was going to punish me for these mistakes. And I cried out that night and said, well, you know, whatever, whatever my punishment is, I deserve it because what happened was just so horrible. Oh my gosh. Poor well, thing. when my parents came home the next day, I kept trying to figure out how to tell my parents, and out of fear, um, of what they would do, how they would react, um, as well as their disappointment, which I just I just did not want to see the disappointment in their eyes. Mm-hmm. I just never mustered up enough courage to say anything. And then two weeks later, there was this horrible plane crash where I lost my mom, my dad, my oldest brother, and my sister-in-law. Oh, and um, immediately, um, instead of just dealing with the trauma of an accident, For me, it was dealing with the trauma of this guilt and fear that the accident was because of me. This was God reaching out to punish me, to show me, you know, you're not going to do the things you're supposed to do that are right. This is what's going to happen to you. Mm. And so um, I lived in tremendous fear for the best part of my life. Uh, not only in fear, but guilt and shame. If anybody ever knew what my ugly secret was, that, you know, here there was this wonderful family that people really loved and admired my father because he was a radio and TV personality, Mm -hmm. and that he was lost to this world because of his baby daughter. Oh, you poor
1: thing. <laughs> you know oh my what was gosh. gonna
0: happen to me? You know, I mean would I go to jail? Would would I be, you know, thrown in an orphanage? I mean what would happen to me? And um so it was it was something that I have carried with me until I finally sat down and wrote this book.
1: All right, let me back up a second. How old you, how old did you say you were when this happened to you? I was sixteen. Okay. If you were talking to your 16-year-old self right now, what would you say to alleviate? Because that's a tremendous load.
0: Oh, It is. It is. Oh,
1: my gosh. What would you, you say know, to your 16-year-old uh, well, self? Well,
0: first, the first thing is is I would have given a 16-year-old um, a hug because mm-hmm. I really needed um, the hug and support of anyone around me. Yeah. Um, The story of losing my family and with my father being a very famous um, uh, TV figure in the area that I grew up in, um, it really traumatized a lot of people, so nobody really reached out to me. So I was left alone um, to try to deal with all my pain myself. So if I could talk to that girl, I would tell her that, you know, your parents gave you an awesome foundation. Mm-hmm. You know, you made a mistake just like everybody, just like your parents have made mistakes. Mm-hmm. But, you know, God is a forgiving God. You know, your, your life is not based upon that one mistake. You've got many more mistakes to make in your lifetime, and that's what builds us into the human beings that we are. Um, inherently, God knew we were going to make mistakes. That's mm-hmm. part of who we are. Right. And that's how we learn and we grow and we become better people. Um, I would uh, ensure that this girl got counseling mm-hmm. and was in a positive environment with reinforcement where she constantly heard, um, you know, we love you, we're proud of you. Right. Right. Um, that's what I really, really needed, and I got none of those things.
1: Nobody reached out with for, to you? I mean, his friends of your family? No. Nobody? That's so bizarre. No.
0: no. Um, within a, about a week after the accident, um, I had one older brother who went back to college. Mm-hmm. He was not interested in raising a baby sister. And, um, my friends basically shunned me. And, um, talking to them now, you know, they were like, we were traumatized. We didn't know what to say. Ugh. We were afraid if we said something, we would say the wrong thing and it would hurt you worse. Yeah. Because, you know, if you think of yourself as 16, having a friend go through this, they're not, um, trained or capable of know, know, of knowing what to do. Right. And so the neighbors were the same way. I think everybody thought somebody else was doing something, and mm-hmm. unfortunately nobody was doing anything. So, you know, I stayed at home and suffered this horrible um, ordeal um, myself okay. um, and just kept, you know, trying to find a way to continue to move forward every day because I thought, well, you know, I may have screwed up with this big mistake, but, you know, I am my parents' legacy. I have got to do something to make my life worthwhile for them. And so I have always strived to better myself over the years um, as a way of challenging myself um, to show the kind of person I was based upon who my parents were.
1: That's incredible. The strength you had. So, what you basically raised yourself from that point on. Yes, I did. So, what what happened? Did you go to college? I mean, what what was your path? Well,
0: I. I um I found out that if I went to summer school that following summer, that would have been uh, my junior year, that I could graduate in the fall instead of graduating in May with all of my friends. So Mm -hmm. I graduated from high school early. Um, I was Miss High Achiever. I was ranked number one in my high school class. there were probably about five of us that graduated rank one. Mm -hmm. I went on to a major university um, and obtained a four-year college in two and a half years. <gasps> because the only thing that I knew in life was to study. Mm-hmm. You know, it, your education was something that was the, the cornerstone foundation of what I grew up with. So I poured all of my um, attention into studying as a way of not letting my brain wander to where I couldn't get depressed, I couldn't think about things. All I could think about is I've got to get all these, you know, all these classes done. Yes. So I did. I graduated early. Um, Two weeks after I graduated, I got married, and then it was five and a half years into the marriage, I finally got the strength to um, file for divorce and decided I was going to really take hold of my life and start taking a hold of the guilt and the grief that I had. Mm -hmm. And Sought out a job and found a job with Walt Disney, who I was very blessed that moved me to Southern California, otherwise I would have never been able to afford to leave Texas Mm -hmm. and make it to California, and started my life uh, in California, Um, luckily I got custody of my son. Great. So I had a two-and-a-half-year-old with me. I knew no one in California. I didn't even know my way to work. So oh it was gosh. stressful for yes. quite some time, but I was motivated that I was going to make a really good life for my son and myself. Mm-hmm. And... um I thank God I was blessed along the way, and I was able to do that because, you know, here I am now. I've been married a little over 16 years to a wonderful husband. My son's going to be 30 in August, and he graduated from high school and college um, with honors and with scholarships, and he is now a certified civil engineer. So life has turned out good through all this pain.
1: Let me back up a second. How did you find the strength to leave this husband of yours who was a pretty bad dude?
0: Well, what ended up happening is um, I kept making mistakes for several years early on in the early part of my adult life. Um, I ended up with a job with a wholesale travel agency business. Mm -hmm. And so periodically there are trips where you have to go out to the properties and take tours of the properties that you are marketing for vacation packages. Yes. Um, My boss had said that, you know, since I was a new employee, I needed to go on one of these, and so I did. Um, my husband was not thrilled that I was going, and so this was like the first time I had ever challenged him about anything, mm-hmm. um, but I really felt I needed to go, and um, I'm actually glad that I did, even though I, I did some things I'm not very proud of. Mm-hmm. It was my first opportunity to actually see the world as a, as a young adult. Um, You know, that night, a whole group of us, we went to a disco. I had never even been in a disco before, so it's like, oh, my gosh, you know, this is what I missed (laughs) while I was in college. (laughs) And so when my boss walked me back to my room, um, he just kind of pushed me in and came in the room with me and started making his moves on me. And I, you know, again, I was still very naive, very shy. I had only been with one person who was extremely controlling Mm -hmm. and this man was my boss. So I was very intimidated. Like, what am I supposed to do? Well, we ended up starting um, an affair that night, which lasted for about two years. Um, And even though it's something that I am not proud of, what it did is it showed me the tenderness and the kindness that a man should be having with a woman, which was totally different from the relationship that I had with my husband mm-hmm. that was very controlling, very punishing, um, very dictatorial. Right. Um, and so I actually started feeling things as a woman, feeling you know excited and aroused and started thinking, wow, this is what it's supposed to be like. And once... That awakening hit me. um, I realized I did not want to go back into that closed environment that I was in that was so horrible and ugly. Mm -hmm. I finally realized, you know, gosh, it was the old teenage dream of what you think it's supposed to be like, I realized now it wasn't like what I had. It was like what I thought it was supposed to be.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And I went to a therapist and because I was very confused and I really wanted some good counseling. And the counselor says, you know, I've never told anyone to get a divorce, but in your case, it's like you've been hidden in a cage for all these years, yes. uh, in, I mean, in a cave, and someone rolled the, the stone away and you stepped out and you saw the sunshine and the blue skies and the green grass and you saw the flowers and the birds and you're never going to go back in there you can't allow that man to ever do that to you again and that was kind of like my awakening Mm -hmm. to my new life and so i i did i immediately filed for divorce and started looking for a new job that would allow me to move as far away as i could because now i realized I was in this horrible place with this man that was doing horrible things to me, and I did not want my son raised to that environment. So That's I needed mean. to get as far away as I could. That's great. And but so California was it for me.
1: And by the way, if you're just tuning in, we're talking with Kathy Kurtz, author of Living Through the Pain, The Lonely Me. Um, so California, so you took this job and uh-huh. um, with the Disney company. What exactly were you doing?
0: I was a travel analyst for them, mm-hmm. analyzing how they put together all of their vacation packages, going to uh, Disneyland and Disney World and doing add-ons whether it's going to be like a ski trip or just you know a trip of um, the Hollywood area, things like that. Mm-hmm. And so I was helping them with their pricing.
1: And so this was like completely a new chapter. You didn't know anybody. Was it hard to adjust to this whole new environment? I mean, Moving.
0: It was very hard because California is way different than Texas. Oh, yeah. But you know, for me, everything, I did it with a smile on my face because I just felt like this is my do over. God's given me an opportunity to start my life again. And I felt alive and healthy, and people were very friendly. And, um, you know, I just needed to get out of my shell. Mm -hmm. And people didn't know about my past, so I didn't have to feel like I was a turtle anymore, mm-hmm. you know, hiding in the shell because they just saw me as just another person. Right. They didn't know that I had all these horrible scars, yes. you know, so um, I could spread my wings and learn to figure out, you know, how how am I supposed to survive in this world and fit in with other people? And it was really a wonderful experience for me. How does your
1: son take all this, the fact you end up to be a motivational speaker and you've written this book? <laughs>
0: Well, you know, when um, he read the book um, in December, because the book came out in March, mm-hmm. he was very quiet, and then he says, well, you know, Mom, you know, this is an incredible story, and it was written very well, um, but initially he was very concerned about some of the stuff that I had put in there yes. um, about his father,
1: Sure,
0: and rightfully, rightfully so, and there is so much that I have left out. Um, that I told him, I said, you know, I, I needed to go up to a certain line for a woman to really understand the pain that I was feeling and the way that I was trapped. Right. But I didn't delve into things into a really, really deep, uncomfortable place because once we were married, I felt those things were very private mm-hmm. and I did not want to destroy that relationship with my son and his father. No, that's good. Cool. Um, so I've, I've given the reader enough that they can they can see the picture very clearly as to just what a dysfunctional relationship this was and where my head was and how I gained enough strength to pull out of this and move on. Mm -hmm. Um, Now that the book has been out and he's gone to some of my book signings and went to my book launch... Um, I am so delighted that you know. Right after my book launch, my son came up to me and he says, "Mom, I am just really, really proud of you. Aww. You've had a really hard life, and it's amazing to me to see what a strong woman you are, mm-hmm. and all the things you did." Because a lot of this stuff, he didn't, he didn't know. I kept a lot of things from him as he was growing up.
1: Of course. Well, he didn't need to know, and it was very painful for you. So, right, you know, right. Would you say this? you talk about in your book would be good advice for teenage girls or teenagers in general.
0: I definitely think um, that it would. I'm not. I'm not too sure that teenage guys would necessarily get it, but for teenage girls, mm-hmm. um, nowadays girls are so much more in tune to um, what's going on in the world and all about the sexual relationships, etc. That. I didn't have back in the 70s. I mean, we didn't talk about sex at all. So all of that kind of stuff, they're gonna, you know, they're probably going to be laughing at when they, when they read kind of the dark ages that I was raised in. But I think what's really important is they will sense early on in the book that I truly was a very sweet, innocent um, young person. And this person comes into my life and basically rips that innocence away mm-hmm. and um, rips what was left of my early childhood away from me and puts me in a, in a, in a world that a girl at that age should never have to be with. Right. And the things that happened to me um, kept me chained to my past for so many, many years. Um, and I didn't know how to get out of it. And I think, if nothing else, it will help girls think about the bigger picture. This may be uh, wonderful now, and I may be agreeing to these things that are happening, but how will I feel when I'm 25? How will I feel when I'm finally married and I'm a mother and I have to look back on my life and go, oh, you know, these are the things that I did? Because those are the things that's really haunted me. You can't ever go back and undo decisions that you've made. I mean, you own it. That's part of your life and who you are now. Yes. Yes.
1: Uh, You know, it's interesting. I was reading some stuff you sent me and um, somebody else had asked you this question, which I was intrigued by. What are the three things you want the listeners to know which can change their lives right now? And you talked about how, you know, when you're in the grieving process, people Mm -hmm. need to be kind to themselves because we're filled with all these emotions and some people feel like, oh, you know, I've been grieving too long or, you know, I'm so depressed that that's not a, a natural thing. But I like what you said, that there's a natural process. Just let it go. Let You know, let, let your emotions come out. You know, it's okay to be depressed for a while because look what you're going through.
0: Right, and everybody is different on how they're going to process things. Mm-hmm. I know they just showed, um, a, I think she was a 15-year-old girl and Texas, that lost her entire family. Her brother-in-law came in and oh. shot them all. And she managed to survive and call the police. He was going to her grandparents' house. That's right. To take yes. out the rest of the family. Yes. And a lot of people are already commenting, like, ooh, she's out there in the newspaper and she's got a smile on her face. Well, you know, people don't really know what's going on with that girl on the inside. That's right. Um, I immediately, my heart went out to her, but then I thought, okay, she does have aunts and uncles and she does have grandparents who obviously are there to support her that's her main thing that she needs support and love Mm -hmm. but anybody seeing that 15 year old on TV with a smile on her face she's a very broken young lady and it's going to take years and years of therapy um, to get her through processing the trauma that she saw you know it isn't something even even if your life is perfect and you just lose someone with a heart attack, Mm -hmm. that's still a trauma to your life. And you may be grieving that two, three years from now because everybody processes things differently. Right. And that's okay. We mm-hmm. need to give ourselves permission that if we're having a good day and and you feel like laughing, thank God you can actually laugh today. I know, but don't don't immediately feel like oh my gosh, I'm such a bad person. I lost my husband six months ago. What am I doing happy? Happy? No, there is no rule book. I mean, you, n- no one is the same. Right. That's you just right. need to keep pushing forward, and you need to be surrounded
1: by people that are great listeners and supportive. Because I know I lost a friend of mine about four years ago, and I would talk about it and talk about it, especially my, my husband. He was great. And to this day, I still talk about it. And you just need to be with people that are receptive, that don't mind you talking about it because you're grieving. And you go through this different um, thought process of how you're processing, uh-huh. you know, from crying to denying, you know, all these feelings to just you, just, you just have to vent. And you need to be with people that understand that.
0: You do. And, you know, when a person's grieving, allowing them to talk about it keeps that person alive and in front for that person so they're not totally saying goodbye. Mm -hmm. Eventually they'll get to that place that's a comforting place that they know they don't ever have to say goodbye. That person's always in their heart and always in their memory and is always with them. It's just you can't reach out and touch them. Right. but, again, it, it's different for everybody as to how long that process goes. So, yeah, you need to be around safe, encouraging people that truly understand and aren't pushing you. Mm-hmm. We
1: have to wrap up soon, but do you have any cl- closing remarks about your book? And also tell us where people can find out more about the book.
0: Oh, okay. Um, well, really, all I'd like to say is for anybody that it has gone through any major trauma or any any type of, Family loss where they've lost someone that they have loved. Even if it's a loss that you have been preparing for, like, someone um, who has cancer and is dying, it still comes as a shock. You know, when it finally happens, it's a shock. You can't really get yourself prepared. My book is a, is a good book, I think, to help people ensure that they can stay out of the depths of depression. It It helps them to realize they're not alone in the world. Terrible things do happen to good people. And, you know, even for me, there are so many other people that have, lives that have been so much more horrific than mine, but it's our journey, Mm -hmm. and we can't change what our journey is, but it's up to us to figure out what kind of meaning we can get out of it, and how can we help each other, and part of that is being able to open up and share with one another, because the glory of what I'm seeing is all women have stories and and so I mean I'm really focusing on more on the women than I am on the men. Mm-hmm. And women tend tend to tell not their stories to other people what's what's hurting their heart because of the shame and guilt or being afraid that someone might think of them differently. You know, there's so much power when we can come together and we can share with one another. So I would encourage people to get my book. Um, it's available uh, through Barnes and Noble and mm-hmm. Amazon.com. Um, And you can go out to my website, which is Kathy, C-A-T-H-Y-A, Kurtz, K-U-R-T-Z, dot com. You can download the preface and first chapter of my book to see what it's about. You can look at the reviews that I have, any media and events um, that I have, um, and it also has my email address on there and my phone number. So you can contact me. I mean, if you are really in desperate need to talk to someone and can't find someone, call me. Oh, you know, I will be there to try to reach out and help you. That's great,
1: because a lot of people don't know who to turn to. They might not have a support system, so that's great. Right.
0: That's great. Right. Well, I want to be there because there wasn't anyone there for me, and so it, so it's part of my mission. That's really important to me. I wish your your listeners all the very best, and I hope that they will reach out to me. I was just going to ask. So,
1: in telling your story and writing this book, do you feel like this huge weight has been lifted?
0: I do. I feel like that I'm not living, you know, um, in the dark anymore. I feel Mm -hmm. like I'm out in the sunshine and I can actually breathe and shake off some of this old dirt off of me and Mm -hmm. embrace my past and to be able to say, yes, this is who I am. I'm not thrilled with some of the choices I made, but, you know, I'm really proud of the person that I've become. That's great. And I'm here to help others, and hopefully they, I can prevent them from making some of the mistakes that I made. And I think that that's what part of the journey is all about, is helping each other.
1: Kathy, I want to thank you so much for calling into the show.
0: Thank you. I really appreciate your time.
1: And uh, if you've missed any part of the show, it'll be up on my blog within an hour or so after my show wraps at 10, and it's getthefunkoutshow.kuci.org. Have a great day, Kathy.
0: Thank you. Okay, bye-bye. Bye-bye.
1: We're going to take a quick break. Again, if you missed any part of that with Kathy Kurtz, it'll be up on my blog, probably about closer to 10.30. I'm Janine. This is Get the Funk Out. This is KUCI 88.9 FM in Irvine. We're going to take a quick break, and we'll move back. Here I stand. Me, myself, and I Come a long, long way this time